Hello. Hi there, everybody. Coming to you live. This is Democrat and a Republican walk into a bar. I'm, of course, your Republican, Sean Hartman. With me, of course, our Democrat. Dr. Cindy Banier, and we are live here at Ali's Pub and Records in Cape Coral. Uh, yep. Um, very happy to be here. Back to our normal, regular schedule. Uh, back to our normal Sundays. How How is your uh, week, Cindy? Well, good. So it was the last week of school, you know, so kids were out of school. Um, so trying to get a good summer experience. We're uh, doing some swimming in the pool, uh, cleaning up books and setting a new summer routine for me oh, and the perfect. kids, as I'm sure many people around Southwest Florida and the whole United States, actually. We're actually going to be moving my grandparents um, to their, they have a, a, a living facility that we're moving them up in Fort Myers. Okay. And one of the things we've been talking about is the pool there that me and my uh we're all going to be utilizing since we both uh me and my mom both love swimming and uh you know there's really not here in cape coral there's only one indoor pool obviously the yacht clubs actually um Ooh, well, shut down right now it's like that's a big controversy here in cape coral right oh, now actually yes, with yacht club we oh, can my we could touch on that a little bit we because could. that's got everybody mad i i mean i'm usually not not the biggest fan of talking local since we do have a lot of people from all over but yeah let's actually start with that because there's been quite a bit of craziness in Cape Coral. I've unfortunately stopped doing my Cape Coral Council Watch. It just was too, there's too much on my plate. It was something I had to cut. But wow, there's quite a bit going on. Um, so let's frame the, the, the situation yeah. here. Okay, so of course we had Hurricane Ian come through last September. We're like eight months out. So the big issue and question right now is the Cape Coral Yacht Club. It's one of the only historic buildings in Cape Coral. It actually mm -hmm. predates the city of Cape Coral. It was built- The corporation in, of the city. So yeah. so the city itself, Cape Coral, was, was founded uh, by a bunch of real estate developers who saw this location and thought they could build a community out of it. It was a like they could make it like Venice. Yes, it was very, and it was, it was. <laughs> That's it, why it, there's canals everywhere. Yeah, it's a very, it was a very fantastical. They didn't think about <laughs> and long-term infrastructure, but anyway, it was, it was a, it was a fantasy that became a reality for sure. And uh, the yacht club was a major aspect of that community starting out. It was a central part of it. It's an area where if you lived in Cape Coral, you visited the yacht club, mm -hmm. you uh, played in the pool, you played at the beach. Then even before the um, the hurricane, they uh, were going to um, do a lot of renovations for the yacht club that were themselves very controversial. They were going to take away certain portions of it. Um, they were going to make it a little bit more extravagant. Some of it was actually pretty cool plans, but a lot of people were frustrated because they want, you know, we're a very conservative community here. We like preserving the aspects of our community that um, are valuable. And one of that is the Yacht Club. So now because of the hurricane and the damage of the Yacht Club, uh, the Yacht Club main location is going to get uh, torn down, as is the, I think it's the Tony Rotino Senior Center or the ballroom. One of the other areas is the ballroom, the, ball the whole area. Yeah, but so, actually, hold on. I want to say, like, just before you like yeah. jump into like Cape Coral's a conservative area, I don't know if that's entirely the case, considering that in recent history we have had both a Democratic mayor well, and two Democratic city council members. So that was yeah. Like, well, I don't amount, mean so I don't mean conservative politically. I mean conservative in the sense that that we like our community the way it is. Uh, one of the big issues that constantly comes up in Cape Coral with in terms of growth is are we going to be like Miami or are we going to have our own Cape Coral type of growth? So there, it's, it's, it, we're very, the people here are very local centric. 
um, and yeah. very much wanting to preserve the aspects of Cape Coral that make Cape Coral great, if you right. will. And so Yacht Club is a part of that. It's, it's, it's a part of our tr history and our tradition. And so people have been up in arms. Uh, last week, they uh, went into city council in droves, including uh, Gloria Tate, who is a former city councilwoman. She's been here for 60 years. She, run, she runs the Cape Coral History Soci uh, Center, the History Museum. Mm -hmm. the, she's involved with the Chamber of Commerce. She is like, she is like a known name here. And she has apparently applied for the location to be put on the Florida Register of Historic Places, okay. uh, which I 100% support. Um, but yeah, you had city council members blaming residents um, for it. And this is what really like ticked me off as someone who had uh, planned on run who was running for city council a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to run and one of the reasons I, I made that attempt is because the city council doesn't listen to the people. And this mm -hmm. goes to another issue that we've been having where they've eliminated a lot of the advisory boards. Mm -hmm. So if you... If you're, in, if, and especially if you're listening to this now, if you really want to get involved, look at your county and city advisory boards. These are wonderful ways to get involved. I am the chairman of the Community Development Block Grant Advisory Board. Mm -hmm. That board uh, uh, basically helps decide where certain funds that we get from the federal government uh -huh. goes to different social services. So I actually very much enjoy serving on that board. But you had in Cape Coral, you had a Waterways Advisory Board. A, 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 a Cape Competes Advisory Board, which is surprising because mm -hmm. that was the one they just recently set up mm -hmm. with the Economic Development Plan. It was a part of the previous city managers, mm -hmm. um, you know, business proposals, which I, I actually thought was a very good proposal. It was something at the time I was uh, the government affairs um, director with the Cape Coral Business Alliance, which is different from the Cape Coral uh, Chamber of Commerce. So, but, so hold on, I was gonna say let's. This is like a ton of stuff, but yes. let's let's loop back to the the current Correct. controversy. Okay, the yes, current sorry. controversy is so the 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 damage the Cape Coral Yacht Club had been damaged pretty significantly by the hurricane because of wind damage as well as water damage that came from the uh, storm surge that came through because it's sitting mm. right on the Palouse Hatch. Oh, of course, yeah. And there's some people. So although there's like total millions of dollars in damage, apparently some of it is resulting from deferred maintenance, and then only a small portion actually could be attributed according to whatever calculation between the insurance company and FEMA to the hurricane. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the decisions, that this is, well, the decision that the city council had made was that they were going to raise the building, sell the property for mixed use uh, commercial space, in a mixed use commercial residential space. And that was decided on two city council meetings ago. Mm -hmm. And now what you're talking about, the Gloria Tate um, trying to get the uh, the, what do you call it? The historic, the historic designation history. that, uh, came up this week. That was not an agenda item because this had already been decided upon, but there was such significant community outcry that people are still trying to fight. So she was one of them. And the controversy of course, is that they put Tom Hayden, who is a current, uh, Cape Coral city council members name on the application. So now the city uh, council is mad at Tom, but Tom's saying, like, I didn't, was it, like, officially me? And then they're going, well, we should be united, blah, 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 blah. Back uh, and no, forth, back and forth. No, no uh, first off, I, I think that's ridiculous. So I don't, there's a term in communism called democratic centralism, where that's that what you're describing there, that you have to force unity. If Tom Hayden, and I, I respect Tom so much for, for trying to preserve our history, he's a journalist like I am, so he, he's been covering it for, for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So I 100% stand with him um, with this uh, 
trying to get on this designation. And it's petty. And I, I'm very disappointed if the city council's all mad at him they because are. how dare the, how dare he express his own opinions? And they did this to him before. Too. This was this this was the story that was in the news press today. Oh, saying that Gunter see. and Cummings and um Stanky. Stanky. Stanky uh were very upset with Hayden. Cosden is playing the middle ground like she does because she's like, oh, I want to see the, the, the registration. Cosden doesn't even need to, though. Cosden's termed out in 24, so she doesn't have any, you know. I mean, she, she also left the Democratic Party, so who knows? Yes, I did hear that. She was at our Young Republicans meeting and, and announced that she was an independent. Ooh, a round of applause. Yeah, so we were, I don't know. So. But, yeah, she was she was a Democrat for quite some time, but she was always a very bipartisan Democrat. Yeah. Um, and I've always uh, appreciated her and respected her for that. But yeah, no. Um, but it doesn't matter because city council is a nonpartisan organization. It is. That's true. That's true. But here's the here's the other thing too. This isn't the first time they've been angry at Tom Hayden for that too. He has gone to the press before to try to speak on on things independently, and he's been chastised like, "Oh, you have to go through, you know, the communications office." And this that's concerning to me because it that comes off very authoritarian on the part of Mayor Gunther and the rest of the council. The rest you know, of the people who were endorsed by DeSantis. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I don't think Patty <laughs> Cummings or Bill Steinke was. I don't even think the mayor was, actually. No, he was not. Actually, no, because I remember I got his, um, what was it? The uh, the mailer. The mailer well, I, I actually was think Jennifer strange. Nelson, who had also been a Democrat, was uh, supported was supported by DeSantis. Oh, no. No, no he wasn't supported. Anyway, he didn't, all I'm saying. DeSantis there might be just this the city government race. <laughs> but the point is, anyway, the point is, is though. He was, though. No, he, he was wasn't. In, in city, no, in Gunther supported board. DeSant. He supported in school board, but not city council. All right. Not not city government. Uh, anyway, yeah. school anyway, board. So that's the hubbub in Cape Coral. Republicans are pissed off. Democrats are pissed off. We're this all pissed is, off because pissed this off. is a part of our history. And the and I didn't even realize that they were turning it into commercial development. That's just yeah, really stupid. There's, the, the plan was then to sell it. And there was... Um, that we're going to make money back was what basically basically what it sounded like to me even though some people were saying oh it sounds like there's some kind of kickbacks okay maybe i don't know but what i it sounded like to me is there was a money pit that the, the city council had on its books and the city council had an option to get rid of it and they did that's what it sounded like to me so it was like they were like we owe this amount of millions in uh deferred maintenance we would have to do all this work we would have to contract and blah 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 and or or we can just sell it, let somebody else develop it, make something that's really cool that will bring jobs and blah, blah, blah to the city. And then they don't have to worry about it. And then so they were, they so were trying to play it from a fiscally conservative angle that like an ease angle. Right. Like it, it it solves the problem for them. So they don't have to deal with it. Yeah. So that's what it sounded like to me that I don't you know, that may or may not be the case. But that's what it sounded like. It, it definitely they needed. I mean, I think the historical designation will be the best because I'm pretty sure if you get the historical designation, wouldn't they be able to get funding in order to keep that preserved? Like what would go out there? Like would they be able to get assistance from the state? Could they perhaps, like did they go over all available options if it is a budgetary issue, if it is a financial pull? Um, I don't I'm, think so. I think I they saw the not. money and they saw, I saw, I think they saw the clear <laughs> path. Out. Yeah, the easy, they the took easy it. road. They took the easy way, yeah. not the hard, not the not the difficult way. Off a lot of people. I do want to. I want to go back to the advisory board thing though, because I think that I want to talk about this because this is very important. Um, the the advisory boards that they're taking out, a lot of these they just set up 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it eliminates the ability for the citizen to be directly involved in these issues. And it really comes off as the city council doesn't care about the people's voice. Mm-hmm. And what they're wanting to do instead is do like different workshops with staff, not with city council, but with okay. staff. And that's the real problem. The city council wants the city, and this is all city councils, not even this city council, but all city councils have had this. They don't want to do the actual work of governing the city. Of participatory want, governance. Exactly. They want to give it to the staff. They want to give it, and mind you, you have some wonderful staffers that I I, I personally work with, Kimberly, um, the clerk, the, the not the clerk, of course, but the city clerk there is, is wonderful. Um, Betty Castillo, who I work with directly with my board. So, but at the same time, it's really good. But the thing is, staff also usually doesn't like participatory governance. And I can speak as somebody who's been an expert and an advocate in this area for over 20 years, is that it ends up being a challenge uh, to the staff because staff, you know, you get engineers and people who are coming with their specific areas. And when people start getting involved, it gets more challenging. So there's often there's pushback from staff. Or in this case, maybe agreement from staff to cut out public participation. Yeah. And, and in this case, one of the reasons they gave is that it was taking off up staff time, which I can understand as well as that's a reasonable um, concern. But again, you eliminating and some of the boards, I think, are relatively useless, like the golf course advisory board, for example. I don't really know why we have that for just the one golf course that we have. But like the waterways advisory board. I felt was extremely important because we are a city of boaters, of fishermen, of people who use these canals. Um, So having the Citizens Advisory Board for that, I felt was important. Yeah, the Parks and Recreation Board, which I think is a very important board, and I think where a lot of people want to be involved in is our Parks and Recreation. The Cape Competes Board had business leaders, you know, giving giving advisory advice from that. And so it's like, you know, why are you um, eliminating the voice of the people, the the this, these, you know, boards that allow their input to come in. I just mm-hmm. think that's very bad government. You know it sounds like me? Authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. You just love that word. It's just like, hey, listen, might as well make it the word. Go ahead and put on that dictator <laughs> too, right? Like, but that's actually the big problem here, right? Mm-hmm. Is that thriving democracies and countries and mm-hmm. communities, states and cities have an informed and involved population. Yeah. And I have been a longtime critic of how Fort Myers and Lee County and other jurisdictions in this area have actively stifled participation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, <laughs> speaking of other controversies, there's a huge controversy right now with the Resilient Lee Task Force from the county. Oh, okay. The Hurricane Task Force? Yeah. Uh, yes. It's the money that is coming, $1.1 billion in recovery, uh, federal money coming in. Um, they didn't think about the Dunbar community. It was the last town hall to come in and it was the most populated one. It was over 300 people attended because people were so pissed off that they were not initially included in the town hall, um, but, you know, mm. plan. And if you look at how they had set up everything, it is completely favoring both developers and the network of the county commissioners. There's no what I would call regular ordinary citizens who are involved in these task force. And it's very, very obvious. And especially if you consider 70% of that 1.1 billion has to go to low and middle income people, there are no low and middle income people actually involved in a decision-making capacity in that. So there's a huge uproar on that right now too. I haven't heard anything about that, but I would agree. Like you need, you know, average Joe participation, if you will. You need the people, especially in this case, you need to, if not 
individuals who are low income, then organizations or nonprofits who are directly involved with that. Well, you need uh, both. Well, yeah. And there's a mantra in community development on this called nothing that says nothing for us without us. Yes. And yeah. that is is a way to involve people, which is important. But here's the thing. And here's the thing that always bothers me when I hear technocrats and bureaucrats and politicians and officials say, oh, it's too messy. Or how do we do this thing where we involve the people? Right. If you don't, then you will fail. Mm -hmm. You will waste money. You'll waste time. And you will not create the best product and use for those public dollars. Yeah. And that's always, for me, the biggest thing is if you involve the community that you are working to serve meaningfully and early in a process, you will end up with a better plan. Because what ends up happening, unfortunately, is that the technocrats will sit in a room, they will make a plan, and then they'll give it to the public and they'll call it public comment. and the public will go, what the hell is this, mm -hmm. right? Or whoever favors it will get a bunch of people that will show up and they'll go, okay. But if you are giving people a completed project, you haven't involved them in it. And that's that's kind of um, yeah. where I think we're unfortunately going to go. And it's going to waste money and time and effort. And it's going to be pilfered off. And I, it already looks like that that's a possibility. I have, already, I have seen that quite often in city government as well. You know, they don't, they don't, workshop the idea until you receive it after the fact and then right. they're like do you like this or do you not and then mo even if they say not you're like oh what are we going to do? go back to the drawing board you're just going to keep it anyway so this is very similar to like what we were talking about a few weeks ago with the budget crisis where we you know you they create a situation in which you have no other choice but to support it and that is such a problem in all levels of government that mm -hmm. needs to uh stop quite frankly oh yeah no and i agree and it's it's um it's very unfortunate that we're seeing it happen over and over again. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the politicians either take the easy road, like we see with Cape, Cape Coral in the, the yacht club, right? Yeah. Or they're taking what appears to be a very corrupt path yeah. where they're putting their political donors mm -hmm. into powerful decision-making positions where money is going to go directly into their coffers. And this is a big problem. Yeah. And isn't there something also going on with like Mike Greenwell as well? Oh, I know yes. he's been. What's been going on with that? Because I know, you know. Ooh, okay, let's talk about Mike Greenwell. Mike Greenwell is a guy who was appointed to the the Lee County Commission mm -hmm. after Commissioner Mann had passed away. Then he uh, ran for election and was elected in 2022 to a full term. He, all Lee, Lee County County Commissioners are elected at large throughout the county. So everybody mm -hmm. votes, but he represents essentially the Lehigh, Buckingham, um, Alva area. He also happens to be a huge landowner in that area, okay? And that's it. Okay, great. He's a landowner. He's a business guy. He owns, like, Gator Mikes and all this kind of stuff. Except no, he doesn't own Gator Mikes anymore. But, anymore. yes, he set he up. Started. It used to be called Mike Greenwell's. It was actually an area, you know, I used to go there as the a kid. The batting cages. Batting cages, yeah. go-karts, you know. As a kid. All, yes, it was, it was a fun place to go as a kid. Still a great place to go, but it was his location which is really how he was able to win that right. race you know baseball player so he could well again baseball player okay, you, you're from, if you're from the community especially in cape coral you know mike greenwell so he ran okay. on name and recognition he, he won on name Red Sox <laughs> anyway, okay. so south though he's a big landowner and he's uh friends with developers and the first thing that he did when he was put on city council county commission i'm sorry you're right county commission the first thing that happened was he enabled the change of the zoning 
in the area where his property is and which mm. is essentially off 31 that's palm beach heading up towards uh, babcock ranch so that area right now or had been zone rural it has now been changed so that they can do both commercial and real and residential development there mm. so that's actually where the rub is coming in so this is the civic center controversy okay mm-hmm. so the lee county civic center is a large facility that's out out in that northern part of lee county north fort myers and it's where they have the lee county fair every year that's been there i think it's going to be 100 years yep this upcoming year 4-h like they have those kind of shows and things Mm. like that and it serves another the the rural and agricultural community yeah and it yeah which is very important people don't realize that lee county like we have a very strong rural agriculture we have cattle uh Mm -hmm. cattle people especially in east lee county which is mike greenwell's district Yep. Um, we have we have a lot of little you know a lot of farmland over there, and again, Lee Civic Center, like the Yacht Club, a historical part of our community, even longer yep. than than you know the Yacht Club, yep. over a hundred years. Yep. So. And so here's here's what's going on with that. So the Civic Center had uh, been there for a long time, but it was a piece of county land and a county facility that had basically a like a public private partnership with uh, an association called the Lee County Civic Association and civic center association and that was like vendors and people who were involved in that facility Mm -hmm. and they let that facility manage or that association manage the facility so earlier this year they the county had decided that they weren't going to do that anymore that there were quote unquote the renovations that need to be done and i think it was august they were going to close it and and that was it and um it really upset, obviously, the people of the association because mm. there were other things that were planned there past August and what do we do? And apparently this was part of the Greenwell plan because he wants that land and they want to be able to develop that land on 31 from Palm Beach all the way up to mm. the uh, Babcock Ranch, which is developer said Kitson's area. And so that's that's the deal. So it's like it's wow. actually like really, really like good old fashioned self-interested corruption yeah, yeah, this is, this <laughs> is, corruption like yeah. straight to the point like right out there and yeah so not only that but the most recently so this is kind of part of the whole story mm. but we also of course have some restrictions in lee county based on our flood zones and our flood maps which have been since updated since the hurricane to include more areas because as we found out there's more areas <laughs> There's a moratorium on building residential areas in the most immediately affected coastal flood zones. Here's the fun part. Even though that's pretty far inland, that is actually a zone A flood zone because Mm. it's on the Caloosahatchee. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that whole area that he wants to develop into this residential and mixed use commercial zones is a flood risk. And Lee County just kicked down a proposed residential building in a flood zone a district and now they're trying to push through another plan on mike greenwell's property in the it, area. yeah so um let me be honest i'm not super familiar with the story but yeah these out these are very serious allegations um obviously a clear conflict of interest at the very least he needs to recuse himself from any votes involved in that but it doesn't sound like he is and again this is this is the problem, um, especially when you uh, elect people who have businesses or do businesses in industries that are directly connected to the city, like developers. 
Um, they're they're going to be representing, and this happens all across the state, all across the country. You elect developers to make rules for them and their bodies that are beneficial to right. them. And and you know it's it's you know it's very similar to what you know with Cape Coral. Why why would they want to um, you know develop that up, put a building up there? I'm assuming that's in a flood zone A as well. I don't even know how they can even pull that off. If they you know don't know. so they want to develop you know sell that off and develop it. Who's going to benefit the developers? Who who gets voted in? Our mayor is is a real estate guy. Our city council they fund back to mm -hmm. these organizations to to the city council and the county commission. The county commission particularly is got tons of developer money. There's not mm -hmm. a single county commissioner right now that has not taken campaign donations from the development, the real estate no, development course. industry. Of course, of course. So, so these people, you know, because developers, you know, want to make sure that the government that they buy benefits them. So it's definitely, and again, I'm not fully familiar with the accusations, so I don't want to go into full. This is true. This is this is what um, I have heard from various activists and people that I mm. know have been involved. And it's a it's an evolving um, issue, yeah. but I know that from the local reporting and the activists, these are the things that I've heard. Yeah. So those are very yeah very serious allegations that that we need to be watching. And in general, this is again why you have to pay attention to your local governments. Well, you yeah. have to pay attention to what's going on there because these type of stuff gets thrown under the rug because everyone's paying attention to the fun stuff like President Trump getting indicted. So <laughs> is that the fun stuff? that's transition. <laughs> yeah, so we had another historic day here in the United States when on Thursday it was revealed that Donald Trump, and this was his own revelation, by the way, became the first president, former president of the United States to be charged with a federal crime. Then we saw the indictment itself be mm. opened to the public on Friday with expected arraignment in Miami on Tuesday at 3 p.m. So yeah, definitely uh, very interesting. This is the one, um, I know when we were talking about the previous indictment with Stormy Daniels, that this is the one that I thought was the mo more serious one. Um, and especially after reading the indictment, these allegations are serious. And I want to take a, a step back here for a moment um, because, and we were talking about this earlier about how in 2016, and our my side has been doing the whataboutism game with 2016 and comparing it to Hillary Clinton. Now, um, the, what about her emails? Her emails. Well, the servers for me is the the, ser the servers itself is probably the more the general thing though is it was a national. We were concerned about national security and potential. What about Benghazi? <laughs> okay. The point is, is that nationals, we were concerned about national security secrets being held in a personal, in an individual's personal uh, private residence. This is what happened with Donald Trump. So mm -hmm. while Republicans are trying to spin this as, well, Hillary Clinton wasn't charged, um, why is Donald Trump being charged? The way I see it is, is we have to hold everyone by the same standard. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. So I definitely um, am supportive of uh, an investigation and holding him accountable and having this trial play out. Uh, it's going to be playing out in his home turf with a judge that he appointed. So, it, it, you know, the chances are conviction of conviction, you know, are, are wobbly, probably. Uh, what I will say, I was looking, I want to say a couple of things about the allegations of the indictment and the um, prosecutor. So first off with the prosecutor and in general with the prosecution, um, as much as we want to try to blame Joe Biden for this, Joe Biden is not prosecuting. Merrick Garland is not prosecuting. The reason that Merrick Garland put in a special prosecutor is to remove the politics from it. The indictment itself came from a grand jury, not from 
anyone from the mm -hmm. Justice Department. Mm -hmm. So we do have to be clear about that. Mm -hmm. um, the prosecutor, Jack, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, <laughs> and if you're somebody who's tweeting about this, I think you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Byron Donald. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, Chrissy. No, no comment on that. But um, if you're somebody who's directly trying to link Biden to this, you yeah. are wrong. No, and you're lying to people. It is. It is definitely deceptive. It is definitely deceptive. Um, they're trying to say that because the Justice Department is under the uh, administration, that that's, that's why he's doing it. But then if we're talking about that, then that means like Bill Barr and all the attorney generals for, you know, for Trump were also under him. And, you know, we don't want I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. You don't There's want to go down this rabbit hole. It is a clear manipulation. Hmm. It is deception and it is lying and it's done for political reason. Yeah. And it's being done by people who are supporting Trump explicitly. Like no, it, it is. It is a Trump so. support situation. It is. It is. It is a loyalty to him. And justice really needs to come above loyalty, I believe. Um, I'm probably the only one. But yeah, this so I, I was going to say before you go on to Jack Smith, the other thing that I want to say, just in terms of the whataboutism with Hillary Clinton, we said this before, too. Mm. It should be noted that there was no evidence that any information that had direct ties to national security threats was found or thought to have been contained on any of the servers or emails in question in the Hillary Clinton case. So, yeah, she mentioned that earlier, but I also- I said because I was the first one. <laughs> yeah. The reason it's different is because, well, not only in the Trump case do we have evidence that there is Secret, top secret, classified, tons of boxes. You've seen the pictures stacked up in the shower for some fucking reason. Um, but he likes to shower with the sleepers. <laughs> but he is on tape. We have tape of him talking about it. And the documents d do include information that includes military secrets, that include national security threats related to our uh, energy nuclear power of us and our it, allies. It, contained, it, cont it allegedly also contained information about not just our military, but our allies' military. So it puts our allies at risk. It's our military it at risk. It puts our military at risk. And according to the indictment, there are at least uh, one or two times where he has shown it to individuals, which I'm with not... Security clearance. Without security clearance, right. which I'm, as much as I'm not 100% sure about, you know, whether or not Hillary had anything on her server, they didn't find anything, of course. But... That's different. We don't have any evidence that Hillary just showed national security stuff to, to another an idiot who was interviewing him and he got it on tape. It was. Yeah. He just, showed it to a reporter. Yeah. Trump. And it sounded when I was looking at when I was reading the indictment, uh, it sounded like he was just being braggadocious, which is this like slide cometh before Trump. destruction. So clearly in that moment, it's just so obvious. And it, it's just read Proverbs. Right. It, it, it's it's it's. It's his boistering that brought him down in terms of that case. Um, right, go back to Jack Smith now. Go back to, I wanted to say about Jack Smith is that this is the guy who indicted Sheldon Silver, who is the Democratic Speaker of the New York Assembly for Corruption. He uh, prosecuted John Edwards. He's prosecuted Democrats and Republicans. So he is an equal opportunity prosecutor. Yep, and, and a registered independent. Registered and he was appointed as a, the special counsel specifically to keep the investigation away from political bias yes and i and i so i i actually have a lot of trust in him and he does did say he wants to make it a speedy trial which i hope they do i'm hoping they can try to wrap this up before the primaries uh before, before the primary starts so that way we don't have to worry about shit i don't think there's a democrat alive that would disagree with that yeah we've been well, waiting a long time for this. i know and and the good the great thing is is that if he gets indicted he'll he he you know he 
faces up to 10 years in prison. For and each so, count. For up each, to 20 years. For oh, each 20 count. years. Yeah. So he can try to go to prison and then still try to run from prison, just like, you know, Eugene <laughs> Victor Debs, the socialist candidate. And so oh. it's very possible, but it'll be very, I think really that's why you have all these Republicans running is they think he's going to be sure. indicted and prosecuted. And once he's out of the race, who you, who's going to run, you know, who's going to take the mantle. Ron DeSantis sure seems like that guy, but you know, I don't really. He is that guy. He is that. <laughs> I don't know what that guy is, but. But yeah, so guy. definitely, it was definitely interesting. Um, obviously we, you know, I want to see them get this wrapped up before the end of the year. So that way we could finally have some resolution here. This is again, very serious when it comes to national security and national defense. And I think regardless of your opinion on Trump, and I have like a love-hate relationship with Trump. There are a lot of things I like about him. There's a lot of things I don't like about him. Um, I'm not a, a Trump cultist, but I'm not like a never Trumper. Uh, I'm very much sort of in the middle when it comes to him. But honestly, like this is something that needs to be taken seriously and that, you know, we are, as Republicans, we are the party or usually the party of national security. And law and, and order. And law and order and the rule of law. So this goes into all of those principles. And I am a, an individual, if not anything, an individual principle. And so um, if he gets prosecuted, I support it. If he if he gets convicted, I support it um, because that is our justice system at work. And if you can't, you know, do the time, do the crime, don't do the time type of situation. Yeah, I'd love to see Republicans lean into their law and orderness on this um, because it, this is this is clearly well, like beyond shadow of a doubt, like illegal damaging to national security. And by the way, let's not forget that the uh, former General uh, Petraeus was prosecuted under the very mm. same type of... He just didn't tell a reporter, he told his girlfriend. <laughs> well, he was telling his... It was, she was his biographer, biographer right? And slash then, mistress. Right, exactly. So Well, now we have to figure out what he, the reporter he or pled guilty. Did he? <laughs> he pled guilty to that, right? And, you know, so this, this is like... You're not supposed to do that. And that was one. That mm. was one document, not boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of documents. OK, mm. so That's, and, and as Republicans, we need to ask this. If, if a Democrat did this and quite frankly, you can argue this is what Hillary Clinton did, even though you're saying it wasn't national security secrets. That was our complaint. The point is, sure. though, is if a Democrat did this, would we be angry about it? And the answer is Parker yes. Rightfully so. would be shitting his own intestines <laughs> and eating them live on Twitter if this was a Democrat. OK, because yeah. that's how fucking angry he would be. We Let me say this. I think Trump is a fucking dumpster fire, piece of shit person and a horrible fucking president. And I'm embarrassed every single fucking time I think that his name is going to be associated with our country in the books. I am further disgusted that this prosecution is taken so long that he was allowed to leave the white house with these documents knowing yeah. what they were and that we are sitting here with a treasonous person who is running for president again and there's near a fucking republican in the republican party that has the balls to stand up to them the closest we have is chris christie and even if you heard all the other republican candidates right now Pussyfoot around. Yep, they're all talking about it. Does Ron DeSantis? Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson. Okay. Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is, set, is is supporting him. Vivek Ramaswamy, who's one of the minor guys running for president, has already come out publicly and said he would pardon President Trump if he was elected. Well, did too. So I'm just like, like, that was a weird one too. It's like, why is Mike Pence defending him here? Yeah. Of no, all well, people. Mike Pence is probably like, oh shit, what, what, what what's going to blow back on me? That's probably what Mike Pence is. <laughs> 
Um, but you know, no, he got cleared from his. I know, but I think that he's kind of he's got to be swimming that shit around in his head. Yeah, Ron DeSantis even not doing it. So grow a pair, call out treason, <laughs> care about national security like you pretend to care when it was Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. and and do the thing right. Um, and that's I think so. I I am not happy about this. Let me say this: I'm not happy about it. Um, because I wish it didn't happen. I wish we didn't have this type of thing because we also we're talking about nuclear secrets and hurt our yeah, that, country that is another thing because you, you did just mention like why why would we let him take it like we had him mike pence joe biden like how are they able to take these home so what you know whatever mechanism in government that is supposed to be protecting it they've clearly failed and it needs to be reformed there. yeah for because sure. i 100 percent agree with you there no you know whether it whether it's trump biden um, Mike well, Pence, any these guys, right? They were saying like they were finding different documents all over the place yeah. in their private homes and the library, whatever. It's like, how are these people like ran uh, accidentally bringing home top secret I was documents? I lied to you about how top secret documents <laughs> <there> are. <laughs> like, invisible ink or the destruction paper. Yeah. Or like that self-destruct. You really, you really sometimes think that your government is, is a little bit smarter you when it comes to national. I watched too many spy movies to just, I'm like, I'm disappointed. This is like oh, so fucking disappointed. I'm disappointed in all of this. And yeah, like I, okay, here's the other thing too. So like, I'm not happy about this. I do want justice to be served. I do want our country to be safe. I do, I do want to go back to the era. But we shouldn't have had a president. We shouldn't have had a president that uh, has been involved in this. And we can talk about the Russian ties because there are plenty. And if you want to read them called Hiding in Plain Sight by Sarah Kenzier, it, documents all the way back through the 1980s trump and his family's ties with russia so we're actually talking so that's the other thing this Mm -hmm. indictment is literally just about taking the documents it doesn't even include the fucking people he showed them to right like because we don't actually know who had seen them um who information had been passed to or what other pieces of information may have been missing Mm -hmm. and given to other entities, to whom, by the way, are enemies to the United States and continue to be and have had long-term relationships with Donald Trump and many of whom have also been at Mar-a-Lago. So we're not even talking about that yet. I am so absolutely disgusted and saddened that this is America today. I am disgusted and saddened that we have been affected by malign influence campaigns out of Russia and China, but mostly Russia, to have a significant portion of Americans stewing online and believing falsehoods that enable this Mm. crook and fraud to continue to keep so much of our politics and our minds raptured, okay? Mm. I am, it's like, it's so sick and sad to me, and I wish we weren't in this state. I am, I, I am horrified, I am scared. And I am worried about where we go from here because the other thing that's really worrisome is how many people in the, like the 100% always Trump camp are literally ready to kill people for this. There are, there is a lot of violent rhetoric that is going on on this. And, you know, you talk about this a lot and I often, you know, dismiss some of the things you say as hyperbole. In this case, though, there have been violent rhetoric from, from key players and this is something, this is again, why we started the show is because, you know, we are so polarized and co- countries like Russia and China do have sophisticated, you know, cyber, um, cyber warfare 
capabilities with bots and with algorithms. They do all these things. It's yeah. provable. And it's not, it's not, you know, an attack on Trump to say that. Okay. It's in fact an important aspect of national security. I remember when the Mueller report came out and, you know, he had to go to Congress and everyone was asking him all those questions. There was one Congress member, I don't remember which, but specifically asked him about Russia. And Mueller would say later that, that he was so glad that someone brought that up because that was the real issue. Our going back to our founding fathers, this is the reason that in order to be president, you had to be a natural born citizen. They were very concerned back of the founding fathers day of foreign influence on U.S. national politics. Yeah. It is why there is a lot of, you know, quite frankly, racist immigration policies. Right. They wanted to make sure that America stayed in control of Americans. And then, you know, now, obviously, today, America is much more of a melting pot than it was in 1789. But I would still say that the people who should be running our government and influencing our government is the American citizens. And what Russia and China and all these uh, bad actors have discovered is they can they don't need to to, you know, control the government. They need to control the people who vote the government in. Well, they just need it's not even control. It's like they just need to cause enough chaos mm. that we're all fighting each other. We're all confused. And people don't know what the truth is. They don't then, know what, what what really happened. And then what China does with this is they take they show, you know, their people this and their propaganda machines. Look how divided the United States is. Yeah, look, look at how these people storming their Congress on right. January 6th. That won't happen at our Communist Congress. People won't storm us because we know, we suppress anyone who would try. Well, they sure. don't say that. But, but it's, and it's it's to undermine democracy. And it's yeah. like, oh, look how crazy it is and how violent it is. And, mm. and and yeah, and they suppress that. And they they are looking for a reason to suppress their own people. I mean, so this is what I, when I say, like, this is important for everybody in the world. And I, 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 I think that so many things that are said about Reagan are like really, really wrong. But when he said that we're the beacon on the hill, <laughs> right? For democracy. We're the shining city on the hill. Yeah. That's right. Which itself like, comes from a, a pastor from a colonial period where he talked about our, our, our new, you know, going back to our new country. But yeah, we, we, we are, are the democracy holders. We have to be the example around the world, have been, right? Mm. Um, and when we give in to authoritarians, whether it's on the city council or in the state chambers, uh, when we give in to people who are traitorous and colluding, not even colluding, but just, I don't even know how to describe it, um, uh, benefiting from yeah. foreign influence, okay? Well, um, that that we undermine ourselves and then we are used as an example to undermine democracy and make people less free around the world. Well, I don't think that if if someone is an unwitting beneficiary that they should be punished for being a, a useful idiot, for example. I don't think that this, it's punishable. I agree. Yeah. So but I, I but yes, you know, we need to be mindful and we aren't because we don't have media literacy. It's we not don't polluting. Yeah. We're so we're so polarized these days, and that's what they're fueling on, and that anger of our division, and sure. our inability to to see ourselves as Americans first, and just you know, no, you're a Democrat, you're the enemy, or you're a Republican, you're the enemy. But I'm not gonna you know beat around the bush on that one. There was um, one more thing I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to start maybe setting up like a segment or something that we do. Because CNN is starting to do Republican presidential town halls. Oh, yeah. um, I uh, obviously watched the Trump one. Um, I just yesterday finished the Nikki Haley one. Tomorrow is going to be Chris Christie. So I am going to report back on you for all those town halls. I missed Mike Pence's, unfortunately, but I did see Nikki Haley's. Yeah, that would have been a fun one. 
I might, actually, I need to see if I did because I, I kept seeing the advertisements on Nikki Haley's, but that was a week ago. So I'll see if I missed it or not. But with Nikki Haley, I actually thought was, I was very impressed. She came um, when we were talking last week with her roast and right, I commented that she found, sounded very scripted. She did not in this town hall. She uh, came with both facts and um, stories. She's a very good storyteller. It's one of her strengths. Mm -hmm. But she came off very personal and compassionate. Some areas that I thought were interesting when it comes to abortion, um, she uh, did not commit to uh, a national abortion ban. She actually said she doesn't think it's possible because it would require a, a 60 Senate majority, which I was like, yeah, it would be impossible. And she was smart to say that. And so she wants to find areas of consensus. She mentioned possibly late-term abortion bans um, as, a, as a, something she would get behind. But she was uh, really focused on what can we get through Congress. Um, she talked about the incident with the Confederate flag after the um, Dylan Roof shooting at the um, um, was Emmanuel Baptist Church, mm -hmm. AMI. Um, she talked, you know, very deeply. It was very emotional where she was talking about, you know, what had happened at the church and her fight to get that flag off of the, the state capitol. Mm -hmm. And I had, a, you know, it was, it was, you know, she had to fight her own party. She had to, you know, really challenge specifically the South Carolina House of Representatives. And that was a, a big profile of courage right there to be willing to go against your own party on this type of issue when they were very, you know, a lot of conservatives are very passionate when they talk about history and the Confederate history is history, but you know, sure is fucking losers. Yeah, exactly. They're the history, <laughs> history, history of the losers, history of the traitors. You yeah, know, you want to talk about unpatriotic, anti-American traitors? That's the Confederate. Well, speaking of Fort Liberty. Oh yeah, apparently, I think Ron DeSantis is wanting to rename it back to Fort Bragg. I don't. I, what I, a fucking traitor! I don't get why. Why is this such? <laughs> what's wrong with Fort Liberty though? That's such a Fort cool Liberty name. I'm sorry, that's such a cool name. And I mean, look, I'm not a military. I'm not. A, I haven't been in. I never served in in the military, so I don't know if there's like a personal connection that I'm missing. But really, Fort Liberty sounds cool. I would love to be stationed at Fort Liberty. So it's a bunch of Confederate apologists. <laughs> yeah, we actually have Fort Liberty. I just yeah. I don't look. I I I like Confederate history. I I have said that before. I like I, I'm a history nerd. But I'm I don't defend the Confederate States of America. They were traitors. They were fighting to um, keep people as property. I mm -hmm. I don't support that. That is antithetical to the values um, that I stand for. But um, going back to Nikki Haley, I think she did uh, very well. She was very smart. Um, Abortion, I say abortion and um, the Confederate flag were both really good, um, you know, stances that she took. Talked about her time at the UN. Um, one of the other things that they were talking about was healthcare, healthcare access. And she came off very much like a moderate when it came to that, where she was talking. It was very interesting because it was talking about senior healthcare and access across rural areas because she was in Iowa. And so it was very interesting to see her answer. It definitely didn't come out as a limited government conservative. It felt like she felt that government should be involved in that, which I thought was an interesting take. Uh, she uh, talked about um, her husband apparently is deploying to Africa uh, in the next couple of days, which is very, a very interesting situation to be running for president and your husband's, you know, active duty South Carolina National Guard getting deployed in the middle of your campaign. 
That is crazy, but kudos to her. How old is her husband? I, I, 40s or 50s. I don't know how. I must, he must be like a senior officer or something. I was like, uh, I don't think he's like going like into in combat. Her late yeah. 50s. I'm sure, yeah. But yeah, so that's fair, but I found that very interesting. Lenny's a cougar. <laughs> no, no, he does look, them, he looks like, like 40, 50. Young military. Oh, I don't think, no, 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 no. Nikki, no. are you a cougar if you no. are sent <laughs> Oh God. I'm gonna have to look this up right now. Figure out who it was. I am searching now. I am okay. All right. so we're running. Are we running a little on time? Gonna say, um, so but next week I'll talk about um I'll talk about uh it doesn't even have his age. Wow. They don't even tell us his age, but no, he I saw the you know, they they cut to him when she was asked that question and he looks like Kind of looks like Michael Chiklis. I don't know if you know. He's the actor from The Shield or like a, a Bruce Willis, like an older bald guy. So, or like a, who's the... It's not my flavor. Yeah. He looks it's like he looks flavor. like one of Trump's, one of Trump's military guys that was in his cabinet that ended up betraying him. Oh, Lord. But All yeah, right. so it's definitely, she's definitely not a cougar. She could pull it off. Uh, she could pull it off. I think, you know, Listen, I think, but... only Tinder and Grinder do now <laughs> on the campaign trail. <laughs> Anyway, uh, okay, so uh, Sean will bring us some additional updates on all the anything, anything presidential campaigns. I'll make sure to give you guys updates on that. I know Chris Christie's town halls on Monday, which you know, Chris Christie is gonna be is one of the only him and Asa Hutchinson are the only ones getting on Trump. Sure. Uh, Chris Christie's gonna be um, punching pretty hard, which is just it's ironic because you know, he basically, you know flipped and endorsed Trump and became his little lapdog, quite frankly. And it's just, it, it, even if like I wasn't, I really liked Chris Christie back in the day. It just really disrupts me the wrong way in terms of like, you, you know, you, you go and support him. And the reason, you know, I don't know if you know the reason why he supported him. Apparently what had happened is Marco Rubio contacted him trying to get his endorsement and something that Marco Rubio said made Chris Christie feel disrespected and out of his pettiness endorsed Trump. And then he got stuck with it. And so it's that's like, great though. It's, uh, like it, it sounds, but it really does. It I sounds like, like Christie, Christie is a very, you know, petty and wishy-washy guy. And it shows yeah. that, you know, oh, I'm willing to go to wherever I can go in order to win or get attention. So, so uh, other news in the presidential elections before we leave here today is Cornell West announced oh, yes. his bid for a third party nomination for something like People's the Party. People's Party. So actually I have I have some information on this because I this I have been following the People's Party for quite some time. And um I've actually I kind of had high hopes for them because I thought that if they had a strong third party run, we would have better options. <laughs> Obviously, so I was very interested in them, but they have been continuously disorganized, um, not you know, just all over the place. Um, I don't think they have the resources or the funds. No. I, uh, but you know, they wanted someone that's a big name. Cornell West is, a, is big a big name, name for him, you know, to get it. But you know, the People's Party has been floundering. They've been wanting to set up a third party progressive movement and. They haven't been able to do so successfully. I, if you want more information on this, by the way, um, there's uh, if you want, there's a podcast, Generational T Change, 
that we're actually trying to partner with now as well. Dan Perlman was talking Dan about Pro, it. Yeah, I'm Perlman. Pro, that's where I get most of my information on most things Democrat, if I'm being honest. They they are a very useful source of just Democrat and progressive information. And um, the people's, they, they've been covering the People's Party a lot. And that's where I get a lot of my information. So Generational Change, J-E-N, um, another podcast that you can listen to, wonderful group of people. I'm hoping we can do a, a dual podcast. I'm trying to work with them on that. Uh, both of us have been on their show, actually. Yeah. I've been on as uh, a uh, you know, non-corporate Republican. And then, uh, Cindy, I'm assuming you were there when you were running for Congress, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah progressive. And, uh, I'm progressive too. Yeah. Well, I'm also a realist, and I understand how You're parties... Pragmatic progressive. <laughs> You're a pragmatic yeah. progressive. Um, and the thing is, is you a third-party candidacy for president is nothing more than a, than a, a, a messaging piece. Yeah. Um, you can't you know, you're not going to win. <laughs> um, and all you're going to do is you're going to cannibalize the candidate that's closer to you. Yeah. So I, um, I don't, I don't like, I don't think it's a good idea. I think that there are better ways to make change, but if they feel like they want to make that message, then like more power to them. I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't think yeah. they're going to be able to get it as out as, as much as they want. I want to comment before we go though. I do see John Heim, who is a big environmental activist down here. Actually, he does a bunch of, um, uh, beach videos and and very um he has his eye on on clean clean water and clean environment yeah. the stuff that you like but he wanted to bring up how harmful algae blooms are the biggest issue in southwest florida that get ignored by political leaders yeah. i know that you're the democratic environmental caucus chair so i'll let you end yeah. with this since you, you probably yeah have a lot so of lake okotobi has i think it's something like at this point 75 to 80 percent of it is covered with uh cyanobacteria blue-green algae. There has already been a public health warning issued for East Lee County when it comes to the blue-green algae, and we have not even gotten into the full swing of the wet season, the rainy season, where we will be getting uh, the uh, distributions from Lake Okeechobee down the Caloosahatchee. So mm. we are watching this. It is harmful. There is actually a statewide blue-green task force, blue-green algae task force, and the FGC Water School is involved in it. Mm. It can be extremely harmful to human health. It can also kill seagrass and other animal life all the way down. Fishermen, our boat captains, and people on the coast also hate it because it looks really gross and it can really negatively affect their it smells, business. doesn't it? It's one of the smelly ones. If you remember a couple of years ago, actually after Hurricane Irma, both Port St. Lucie and Fort Myers got hit really bad with it. Uh, and they're kind of thinking that maybe this will be somewhat similar. But it, uh, the Port St. Lucie one, it looked like guacamole. Do you remember uh, that? Where it was like big, chunky green. Um, on this side, we basically, because we actually have more like distance between Lake Okeechobee and the Gulf than there is between Lake Okeechobee and the, the Atlantic and the Port St. Lucie side. So they kind of got it like jam-packed and it was like guacamole on the coast. We, because it travels all the way down, it basically stifles the ability for anything to grow like seagrass mm. and stuff like that. So it'll start killing, you'll get manatee die-offs and things like that. Also because of the, the toxins, the cyanobacteria um, toxin, has a connection to an Alzheimer's-like disease in dolphins, which often will swim in the brackish waters in the Kusahatchee as well. There is potential- That's dolphin Alzheimer's. Yeah, dolphin's Alzheimer's. <laughs> but like, there's also some potential to have some other neurological um, 
effects on humans. We don't know yet because there hasn't been a lot of research on it. Mm. People have experienced respiratory issues and our local hospitals here in Southwest Florida have been tracking over the years people who are being admitted with potential um, exposure and co uh, consequences from blue-green algae. So um, yes, John, you're right. People talk about it. They greenwash it. They sweep it under the rug. And unfortunately, we are in for another gross summer. I do know, and I, I mean, I'm not, a, I, I'm not super privy on the environmental science issues on this. So that's why I definitely want you to explain it. Um, uh, I do know the Cape Coral has tried the, are trying these bubble curtains or bubble nets to try to prevent uh, different algae blooms from coming into the canals. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're trying to take preventative measures, but it's an environmental crisis. Um, it is yep. one that, um, it doesn't get talked about until it becomes an issue. Right. And uh, kudos to John and, and people like him who are out there uh, being watchdogs on this and watching our environment, people like you as well. And things like Cape Coral got hit pretty bad in the 2018 uh, blue-green algae mm -hmm. as well because it, um, because of those chemicals, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it goes in and it can get kind of trapped is, in those which is why, areas. Which is why we started doing these bubble nets and it's also why we have these fertilizer or ordinances to prevent the runoff to try to stop which the, contributes to it it's all yeah. new it's and people all are like well, we don't like it and we don't like the business regulations but but it's it's unfortunately sometimes there's there's necessary regulations for protecting public health public it also has safety. a tendency to kill small dogs just fyi <laughs> oh yeah no yeah yeah if we if we're yeah we need to make sure to protect the puppies yeah protect the puppies. all right think and, about the puppies <laughs> All right, so thank you uh, to those of you who joined us, and thanks to my co-host, uh, Sean. Thank you, thank you. And I have been your Democrat, Dr. Cindy Banier. With, I'm, of course, your Republican, Sean Hartman. And we'll see you next time here on A Democrat and Republican Walking to a Bar. Thanks to Ollie's for hosting us. Be sure to come and check them out. They are open afterwards. We have uh, comedy shows coming up um, and comedy workshops every Sunday. And we have a special event coming up on July 2nd. And there's going to be a big comedy show here that's not officially sponsored by uh, Big Mouth Media, but a friend of the show will be having a special event here. So stick Wait, tuned uh, for. Oh, Chris Proya. Oh, uh, so we'll be having some ch check it out. Some information coming on that this uh -oh. week. Otherwise, make sure that you are. Fun fact, fun fact about July 2nd. That was the date we actually gained our independence uh, because mm -hmm. it was when it was signed, but it was reported on July 4th. And that's why we celebrated on July 4th. So he's. He's uh, doing comedy on Independence Day. All right. <laughs> um, so be sure to help support independent media just like ours. Get a subscription. You can get all this, the video, everything for $4.99 a month and help keep independent media alive. And if you want more information about all of our shows or to subscribe to any of our other shows, you can subscribe and get everything for $19.99 a month. And that again helps independent media. And you can see all of our amazing shows and we have brand new shows coming up like the uh, the new special series coming out of the North Carolina A&T leadership faculty called uh, Conversations on Community and Leadership. So that's some amazing, interesting interviews with people doing on the ground work in Greensboro, North Carolina. So very special series there. Also great other materials coming out. Check us out at BigMouthMediaFL.com and we'll see you next time. Bye -bye. See you next week.